Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 2nd. Um, unfortunately, there is no more uh, fall camp practice for yours truly. Sad face, tear, sniffle. Uh, but we will talk about what little bits we did get to see uh, over the weekend uh, and late last week, I guess, technically. Um, and, and maybe look ahead to, to some of the uh, some of the takeaways or whatever we, we might have coming out of uh, the media availability for fall camp uh, as the Cavaliers get ready for their season opener a month from today as we record it. Uh, well, also, we got a fun little uh, exercise um, that I cannot claim ownership of, but hopefully will be something interesting to, to kind of kick around and discuss um so before we do that let's let's go around and introduce everybody um up in uh, fishersville david spence is on the show how you doing buddy doing great brad thanks for asking there it is there <laughs> it is it's now his shtick he has to do it yeah at who days on twitter you don't give him your message board thing anymore i don't like i don't like change Dave. Herbert doesn't want to give your twitter account anymore so pass on him <laughs> he doesn't want to give my twitter account what is on? Wait, we're going to argue about this. I've been in Arlington. Yeah. Ferber, Justin Ferber's on the show too. So wait, what's your what's your beef with the Twitter account? What's your what? What's state your case? <laughs> I just I don't I don't pick up any followers from the from hey, the hey listen podcast. okay listen because they all they all already follow you okay? exactly they all already follow you but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't give them your Twitter account fine. You know what? You don't have to get me. It's at Justin account. underscore Ferber on Twitter. You and, can't stop me. And, and Cavs Corner is also a Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and uh, every once in a while when I remember to retweet things. Um, okay, so fall camp was, was here, or I guess the media availability for fall camp was here, and now it is gone. Um, I, I, I do want to discuss – is it an elephant in the room? There's, there's something – I mean – I don't know. Hashtag breaking. Media person wants more availability. College doesn't want to give it to him. I mean, I think that that's sort of the the, the storyline that sort of extends throughout college sports right now, right? Is that um, a lot of schools like Virginia uh, have their own Jeff White, somebody in their shop who's you know churning out content. They've got massive video departments with all kinds of technical expertise as well as equipment, and they can do a lot. Whether it's press conferences, whether it's um, locker room stuff whether it's just tidbits through practice or feature stories that you know somehow managed to play on the jumbotron like schools have a lot more um you know they have a lot more invested in in what goes out and so you know you got lsu this week essentially closing everything up i, I don't know if that one's come to any kind of resolution or not i, I think for a lot of schools they're 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 whatever access there is it's not it's not the same as it was. Um, it's, you know, even if uh, I think Texas is is essentially telling reporters that they can't they can't go on social media like right after practice or while interviews are still going on. So like, I, I understand the mindset of a college administrator, somebody in 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 sports information, who says, okay, listen, if during practice uh, Justin Ferber springs a giblet. We don't want you tweeting out that Justin Ferber has sprung a giblet because we don't know how bad his giblet is sprung, right? Um, I also understand, like, hey, no, no live tweeting, no live updating, but after practice is over, you know that that part to me makes sense. I I do wish that we had more practices and especially that we had seen more football. Um, 
But at the same time, I look at what's happening at LSU and some other places, and I'm like, I'm thankful that I got what I got. Um, so I, I, I do think it's unfortunate we only got to see one 11 on day. Uh, I do think there's some stuff that you can take away from what we got to see. Uh, I'm curious, though, what you guys, um, as sort of um, bystanders, guys who, who obviously keep up with this stuff at a ridiculous level, what your takeaways were from not just on my coverage but the, the, the others on the beat, what were some of the things that you know you really thought were important or newsworthy coming out? Dave, let's start with you. What were some of your uh, – give me at least one solid takeaway from, from, uh, from the first three – practices of fall camp i mean not to steal the one everyone else wants to talk about but obviously you know the, the potential you know new lineup on the defensive line I, mean, I think that's you know going in it's you know what does the offensive line look like what does the defensive line look like i don't think at this point we have a true answer of the offensive line other than the the uh grad transfers are playing but obviously the move to move um the decision to move eli inside and and Juwan outside um which seems pretty obvious now and not something we discussed in great detail just because it was never brought up before the spring uh, is interesting to me. And I don't know if it's encouraging or disheartening, but you know, it, it's true. It's evident the staff is focused on replacing Dante and knows it's an issue and isn't shying away from admitting they're trying different things to fix it. Um, and it harkens me back to the Grove days where for many of his years, he struggled to find the nose tackle and it, <laughs> the admit the admission that it was an issue wasn't as uh, readily available. So, whether it means anything in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. But yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Like, I think you know, with look, I, I do believe with all of me, all right, with all of me, that there's a very real likelihood that this is more getting a look than it is. Uh, a permanent fix or or something that's going to stick um you know and i know for a lot of fans they'll breathe you know a real sigh of relief um if if this is the way it works out and it sticks because eli is a kid that they have seen uh he has obviously uh, other than andrew brown the most experience in the room i just my 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 two thoughts on this one i i, I do think that there's a very real chance that Jawan. Uh, is back in some capacity at, at the nose. But then my second point would be, I'm not really sure from a schematic, you know, sort of um, approach, how much Virginia is really going to play the base three, four with a nose playing zero technique. Like I, I think you're liable. I, I think one of the things that would, I would be super interesting to me would be to see Virginia in a, in almost like a, um, like a two down sort of four, two, five hybrid where, Cook and Peace play essentially both an outside linebacker and defensive end role where sometimes their hands on the ground and sometimes they're standing up and sometimes they come and sometimes they drop back um, because they're both big enough. They both have the speed. Um, they bo- I think they both can do that with some regularity. Put Andrew and Eli or Andrew and Jawan or however you need to do that in the middle of the line um, and you can create – a lot of interesting sort of mismatches that way. One, it keeps it, it it puts it it puts the offense in the offensive line in a really tough spot because they have no idea how to diagnose that. Because even so, you might look at Kaiser and say, "Okay, there's the mic," but I mean, he he's he's the best blitzer on the team, uh, without question. And so I, I I just wonder, 
if if an exotic sort of front like that, or for at least front seven, um, isn't in UVA's future, unless Eli just is the guy at nose tackle, um, and, and Jawan settles in at end. What I also find interesting uh, about this too is when you see the 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 offers that they've put out to nose tackles, how many of them have been basically Eli handback, right? Now, weight-wise, they, they'd obviously have to add some weight, but you're not talking about fire hydrants. Most of these guys are tall with you know plenty of length. Um, it, so in a way, I guess it shouldn't really sort of surprise us. Ferber, what do you think? Do you, do you feel like, do you feel like e- Eli's the, the answer in your mind at, at nose tackle? What are, you, what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily his natural position, but I think that you know, it was one of those things where I didn't expect them to do it before camp because there wasn't even any indication that they would. But when they did, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, I mean, he's up to 305 now, I believe. Isn't that right? Um, yeah. And honestly, I think, you know, having a, a good athlete at nose tackle is important. And, you know, like that can help you in stopping the run and creating pressure up the middle. But I kind of like having Jawan on the edge because, or on the end of the line anyway. Um, not really the edge anymore because it's a three-four. But um, having him, you know, at the end position, I think gives you a better athlete at end than than handback is. Um, and he's he's pretty big now himself, two eighty-five. And I know that they mentioned that they kind of want to rotate all of them around the line at different times just to kind of give the offensive line a different look. I mean, look, I think that they're limited at the nose tackle position regardless. So I think plugging in different guys to see what works is probably the best approach. And if Eli is the best option at the position right now, I mean, that makes sense, uh, even if it wasn't the original plan. That kind of plays into sort of um, my takeaway, which I, I didn't I, I just didn't see enough 11 on 11 to really have like you know a true sort of three takeaways piece or you know a three two one on something like that, um, but in terms of like something that you know might be unconventional or might not be is that the plan? Um, I was really I was really surprised. I was really surprised that the that the grad transfer slotted in exactly where we expected them to. Does that make sense? Like. Usually these these situations there's a there's a curveball or two right oh there's Eli Handback at a defensive tackle or whatever um, or like in the um, in the spring when uh, when Juan's playing safety that that Pertile and and Monsalus were exactly where you would have pegged them um, surprised me and I guess it's weird to say that the thing that would you would have expected happened surprises me. But if that's the way it sticks, if it's if, you know, when Jack McDonald uh, comes back in a week or so, uh, if he's able to to man that other guard spot and it ends up being those five. You know, Virginia's in seems to be in a, in a good spot now. The injury bug primarily stayed away from the offensive line last year. Um, we all know that they have to improve somehow while also losing a lot of experience that they lost. And clearly they're adding pieces, but guys that have not played guys who are still you know new to this team new to these people um so for me i was a little bit surprised to see them fill in so perfectly um when i don't know i I guess i just i just assume that we're always going to see chaos um but at least for now 
they're exactly where we would expect them to be. And I, I guess that's a good sign, right? We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for, yeah, I mean, the fact that they could come in and, and play right away or at least get in the starting lineup is somewhat promising considering, you know, the staff already knows what they have from the other guys. Now, I mean, you can cut it both ways. You can say, you know, the fact that they came in and don't know the system and are starters is not very, is, you know, damning for what kind of depth you might have. But at the same time, I mean, if they didn't come in and, and start playing a significant amount, at least at some point during fall camp, then you'd kind of have to wonder if it was worth bringing them in. Well, it certainly would have been, was fine to bring them in just for depth, right? Even just if for they, depth you know? but I mean, you know, whether they're going to actually be able to contribute. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is a two edged two sword, right? Because you would want, you would want to, to be able to play the kids that you bring in, but at the same time, you want to be developing your guys. So would you rather, is it better for the program? You say, well, you know, we brought in this grad transfer, but he can't find the field because we have these other dudes. Well, then you probably wouldn't have brought the grad transfer. Like, he wouldn't have been interested in you. Like, it makes sense to me that, get numbers wise, that Virginia would say to these dudes, hey, come on in. But it doesn't make any sense to me that they would come to a school and then get beat out by some dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think offensive line is one position it's hard to kind of learn on the job. Um, you know, Debrickishaw did, but you know, he's a special case. But a lot of times when you may, when you hit the fields at offensive line, you got to be ready to go. Um, so, I mean, I was a little surprised to see them both kind of running out there with the ones on on day one, just because of the whole earn not given and you know them coming late kind of thing um but also that probably means they've done everything they were asked of and you know before they were arrived on campus obviously they're in, in the shape they want them to be um so i mean that's encouraging you you do worry we've seen the last couple of years we've had two offensive linemen and grad transfers not make it to campus so you know it's encouraging to me that both of the ones that are here are actually active and, and participating um and, you know, if our guys end up beating them out, that's great. I don't think it says you're terrible behind them because let's say they're equal with the guy behind them. Maybe you let the grad transfer play for now until you build up the confidence of the guy behind them. So I think it's a little too early to tell, but it is encouraging. They're at least helping give reps for a, you think about last year at this time, we had a couple of walk-ons playing. Um, you know, I believe if we did at least in the first week of camp. So depth alone it helps not just the offensive line, but the defensive line in, in drill work. So Ferber, what about you? What was your sort of takeaway from, uh, from our extensive coverage of uh, training camp 2017? Uh, I mean, one of them is just that I think that maybe Kurt having the brace off and dropping the weight is going to have a bigger impact on him than I realized. Um, I mean, just from the videos I saw and from what everybody was saying, it seems like he's pretty mobile, able to move around a lot better than he was last offseason. Um, and obviously, I, I think we already kind of knew this going into camp, but what, what you guys were able to see from the first few days kind of reiterates the fact that they're going to have a lot of pressure on him to stay healthy just because the backup is someone who's never really played college football before. Um, so, I mean, even if he plays okay. I mean, you still don't necessarily want to rush him into things. So I think that a lot of the season is going to rest on one player. And I mean, that's not normally the way you want it to go, but that's kind of the situation that this offense is in right now. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in the big scheme of things, Kurt is, um, 
I totally just psyched myself out on the Kirk Kurt thing. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kirk Cousins. Kurt Cousins? Kirk Cousins? Anyway, um, I, I feel like in the big scheme of things, um, we always, I think sometimes we get too simplistic and we say, like, oh, so and so will, goes as far as they'll, t- you know, they will go as far as so and so takes them. But in this case, man, it might be absolutely correct. Like, uh, the offense, especially if there's going to be a lot more quick passing um, to get the ball out of his hands faster. Um, it seems like to me that his strength is to go downfield. And so put, you're putting him in a situation where maybe he's doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable, but at the same time it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, this offense is going to need him to not just be good. He's going to have to be very good, and he's have to be extremely consistent, which are two things that last year he, he really struggled with, right? I mean, I think that's fair. Um, it, it, it was – it was at times, um, it was at times somewhat surprising to me just how comfortable he looked. Uh, there was this one busted play on Saturday where, literally, the ball's on the ground and he picks it up and he steps into a throw maybe two seconds later and he bombs one, sixty some yards for a touchdown. Um, it, to me, it it sort of exemplified like that's a that's a play he would have panicked on. And again, I, as I posted on the board, like there is an element to this that like you can't psychologically just pretend that you're going to get lit up, right? Um, I do think that the idea that the offense is playing the defense and that there is a scoring system and that if you lose, it is not fun. I think that that does up the ante a touch because if you're the quarterback, you're, you you just want your team to win. There are some actual stakes involved, but it's not the same thing as worried about getting your block knocked off, right? Um, and so when he's facing a real pass rush that actually can hit him as opposed to just touch him and a whistle blows, you know, that's going to be a different thing. But, I, but in terms of what I saw, I thought he was significantly better than, 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 than what I saw last fall and better than I thought I saw in the spring. And, again, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, for three practices or, or more of those three practices. But uh, I, I do think that the – the process of, or excuse me, I do think the decision um, to give him almost basically all the snaps has really helped him. And I do think he has a better feel for his wide receivers now. Um, and I don't think that it's a stretch or, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm hyping him up. I just think that that's true. Yeah, and I don't think it's unfair to say that, you know, a lot of the season rests on his, on his performance because, look, face it, that that's the way it is from 70% of the college teams out there. You know, um, and there's not a whole lot of great quarterbacks going around. Guys don't tend to sit back and develop very much. They transfer out when they're not playing. So there's any number of teams that are having a, you know, a quarterback, they have a lot of faith in and think they can go far if you play as well. So that's just a reality in the game today. Um, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work out and, yeah, so it, it is what it is. We wouldn't be the first team that has to roll out a quarterback with very little experience. Um, and I don't think it's too much pressure to put on Kurt. But it was funny that Virginia football put out the video yesterday, I think it was, of the full practice after your last integrated one. Um, early in that clip, there's Kurt's run. Like he takes off a little bit. And to be honest, I wasn't paying attention at first. And I, had to, I thought it might be Stone because his, he looks so much thinner. Um, especially through the legs without that knee brace. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, 
we've kind of talked about it off air a little bit and on a lot of previous podcasts it's you know how will that mobility help him when when he's live and can actually be sacked versus touch so yeah, I think, it's the quarterback position in today's game. So. Yeah, I mean, I think mobility is a, is a is a is a is obviously a nice thing to have. Escapability is a is another thing altogether, right? So it's different. Yeah, it's one thing to be able to move around the pocket. It's another thing to be able to move around the pocket and, and evade people. And I think that's one of those things. You know, I, I I said this about pocket presence. Like, I don't think you can just like develop escapability. You either you're either able to get away from some dudes or you're not. Um, I will say this. The times I've seen Kirk run, both spring and and in that eleven on practice on Saturday, I mean, dude was scooting. I mean, he was moving, um, and he was very. I mean, it was like one of those times where you, you know, you're in the stadium and there's a like audible like everybody sees it, and then the quarterback doesn't see it for like another couple seconds, and then he wastes that time. Like he was hitting this thing right when it was apparent, and he had a touchdown on Saturday. He ran for where he got to the edge. Um, and it was just a really good decision at, at the right time against the right kind of coverage. And it, I'm not, I, I don't think this is an exaggeration. Two of those a game could be a huge difference for this offense, right? Two of those nice plays where he either picks up a first down and scores and keeps a drive running or puts points on the board, like little stuff like that on a consistent basis. You know, it's a whole idea like if you put like five bucks away – every week instead of going to Starbucks or something, you know, like you have a lot of money at the end, like a couple of these things, a game consistently will be a big deal for this offense. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can sort of put it all together. Um, so, right, so let's, let's get into this game. Well, actually, before, before I do that, I want to, uh, I want to take a moment real quick to, to talk to you about our sponsor this week, which is uh, second string sports. Uh, you know, this time of year, we're all look. We're all focused about college football coming back, and not too long after that, we're going to be talking about college basketball coming back. But um, as many parents out there know all too well, sports seasons never really seem to stop. And you probably find yourself in need of some glove or a pair of cleats or um, some shin guards or something from time to time. Uh, at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft, you can find a host of quality sports equipment and apparel. Pretty much anything you might need, they either have it or they have the means to get it to you for a fair price. So. If you are in need of something like that, give them a look. You can go to their store, 3278 Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can check them out on the interwebs at secondstringsportsonline.com. That's secondstringsportsonline.com, second as in 2ND. Second String Sports, great gear with first string quality and service. Thanks again to Second String Sports for supporting our show. Sounds like a good company. Yeah, Dave, you really should change that website. You really really need something better than online.com. I I finally got the squatter off secondstringsports.com, so you can go go there. That's great. Yeah. Wait, did you have to like – But can we still go to the online one? You can still – you can go to either. Did the ad I just read – Or the .co. Wait, hold on. Time out. Did the ad I just read, uh, is it it already uh, outdated? Even in, in, right. in guess you got to find a new sponsor, man. Guess, my head is up. <laughs> no, see, no, you should have said. Guess you have to go to the website and check it out for yourself. That's what you should have said. You should be selling <laughs> yourself better than this. Spoiler alert: uh, Dave is the owner and proprietor of Second String Sports. Okay, yeah. forever. Explain before to the we people. go any further. I do want to oh, say uh, <laughs> thanks, Dave. Thanks to Dave for bringing me to the Nats game on. Are Sunday. y'all really going to do this? You're really going on my podcast. You're going to talk about this I was awesome say, experience. Our sponsor should be a certain very uh, popular financial institution that will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> for for one, no, seats. they can't. But see, if I if I get a if I get a financial sponsor, then I have to read that whole thing about how I don't actually uh, use their services. Yeah, and, that's too much. No, that's, that's too, too much. much. I don't, I don't want to do all that. 
So you really so so Dave and Ferber went to this suite and had like bomb tickets and whatnot at the at the game at the Nationals game the other day. And they're all texting me these pictures about how it's like not that cool. <sighs> I hate you guys. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It was it was yeah, fine. It was, it was okay. It was, the bathroom was too was too many steps away. The food the the food you had to like I don't know get it yourself or something. <laughs> you did have to get your own food, but what, <laughs> what did you want? People were holding grapes over your head. Okay, can we can we get back to things that don't infuriate me? Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, Ferber, explain to the good people this 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 game concept you uh, you have des- described in 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 detail to us. Okay, so the idea is um, it's kind of like a buy or sell game. We're not going to sell anyone because I just think that's a little crass. That's but mean. that's mean. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just not necessary. Um, but basically, we're going to buy a stock in three players each, uh, one for offense, one defensive player, and then one true freshman player, uh, either based on a hunch or based on stuff we've seen in the spring or the fall camp or just stuff that we know about you know, attrition or, or whatever. So that's kind of the idea, just to kind of give an idea of what kind of players we think are going to emerge this year. I know personally, I'm not going to try to pick like a, I'm not going to pick Quinn Blanding, for example, because everybody kind of knows where he is in terms of value to the team. So I'm going to try to pick guys that are kind of a little bit more under the radar. Okay, that's fair. We should have given this as uh, – I realize now, uh, even though we just started it, we should have given it a name. And it can't be buy or sell because that's totally a PT, I think. Um, okay, who wants to go first? I'm going to have to – you're going to make me go first, aren't you? Go go ahead, Justin. Oh, yeah, it's your – yeah, 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 yeah. Your game. Okay. Your game, your, your, you decide. You guys want to do offense first? Yeah, let's do offense first. Yeah. Okay. So my person or my uh, player that I'm buying stock in is Jordan Ellis. Um, obviously, top two running backs from last year are gone, and I think right now I don't think anybody would really argue with the fact that I think he's going to be the starter or the primary running back at this point. Um, you know, the reason I'm buying stock in him a couple different reasons. One, just you know, following him when he was in high school was a just grinding out yards he wasn't somebody that was going to be breaking you know 80 yard touchdowns or you know creating all kinds of highlights he just moved the chains consistently um I mean he ran for so many yards and touchdowns his senior year in high school was really hard to keep track of and I was actually trying to keep track um at that time so that and the fact that you know what we have seen from him on the field in a limited capacity is pretty promising um he's been able to find the end zone a few times uh, his first run a couple years ago as a freshman against William Mary was a, was a really good run for a touchdown. Um, and obviously he's just been kind of stuck on the depth chart behind Smoke and Albert Reed the last couple of years. But I think if he could pick up the pass pro part of it to get himself, you know, to be able to stay on the field and uh, on passing downs and um, just continue to, to work hard. Obviously last year getting to pick his number first uh, was, you know, probably quite the honor for him. And that just shows you how his teammates feel about him and how the coaches feel. Um, so I think he's going to emerge as a lead dog this year, and I, my prediction is that he ends up running for more yards than any UVA running back did last year. For the record, uh, as a senior, he rushed for 1,677 yards and a county best 30 touchdowns, and he was the uh, AJC yeah. Gwinnett County Offensive Player of the Year. Which yeah, it seemed like every week, when we, that was back when we were doing those features on yeah, yeah, yeah. players, and it was kind of like every week it was like 230 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, he, he did all that in, in, what, 12 games? That's pretty Yeah, and he also did it in, in, like, the highest level of Georgia football. It was, like, 6A or something. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think from I think that's a good pick. I, I, was, I laughed because I figured you were going to take Joe Reed. 
And I, I almost wonder if like taking Joe Reed in this spot is like taking Quinn Blanding or Michael Kaiser for the defense. Um, so I'm going to avoid doing it in hopes that it doesn't hand a uh, golden opportunity to Dave to talk up uh, Joe Reed. Um, I'm going to take Devontae Cross. And that's literally who I was going to take. Man. Oh, really? Oh, oops. <laughs> Sorry, not really. Um, so the thing about Cross is, yes, we know he's going to get some touches at quarterback. Um, we, we, we've seen enough from UVA and from, you know, whether it's packages or where they're lining up to know that they, they, they want to have a wrinkle or something for him. I have heard through various folks that uh, the folks on the defensive side of the ball believe Cross is a tre- a real player. Like they feel like he is the real, real deal um, as a guy that they have to face on the reg. Right? Um, I think he's versatile. I-, I think that he is talented. I think he is still really new to that position, and so it will take a little time for him to get the route running and, and certainly the hand to hand stuff at the line of scrimmage down. But that kid's going to make plays in games and people are going to be like, who is that? And I would say his number, but they don't have numbers yet. Don't even get me started. Um, so I, 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 I don't, I, I'm not saying that because I think he's going to be the quarterback because I don't, but I do, I, I, I do have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to prepare Lindell stone. Like he is the number two, but that in a game, they're going to probably go to cross, especially if it's like a um, you know situation late in the game where you're just trying to get through. I think they would go to cross and not burn Stone's red shirt. But my my pit, my reason for buying stock in him has nothing to do with any of that. Has everything to do with like I just think that he's a great athlete, and I think he's he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of potential with the ball in his hand. And I think Virginia's going to try to get in the ball. I think they're they're very stacked at wide receiver. I, I think they got a great group uh, at that position. But I think Cross is going to make an impact. So, Dave, now that you've had two minutes to figure out somebody else to buy some stock in, who you got and why? Now, number one for me was <laughs> was Ellis because after talking to Coach A, like I know he's the guy that's going to get a lot of the reps. Um, number two would have been Cross. So I don't want to settle on Reed <laughs> three. Uh, I'm kind of in between Joe Reed and, and kind of taking a flyer on Stephen Moss. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Reed because – I'm a, I kind of want you to go owner, with Moss because I want to hear this. I, I think someone random is going to step up on the offensive line this year, and you know Moss, oh, we fair. know has the physical tools and the size, um, and I think this is probably his best off season just because we've heard about him. True. Um, you know, 2J actually mentioned him. I felt like Moss was like he had to look to the roster to see if he was still on the team the first couple of years. Um, and I don't know why Moss sticks to my head, but yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go with Reed just to play it safe with my money here um, in our to-be-named-later section uh, section of the podcast. The, you know, Joe is just – he's just a freak, man. If you go, like, go look at some of the pictures of him from these practices, he looks like – I mean, he, he looks like he's, like, doing bodybuilding competitions in his spare time. He yeah. looks like Apollo Creed, bro. Like, yeah, he's he, he just looks like huge. Apollo Creed. And we saw him last year with the ball in his hands. And I mean, last year it was more, you know, just natural ability um, over understanding the schemes. And you know, granted, most of his plays are in the special teams, but just the for an offense that, in many ways, has lacked, you know, dynamic players over the 
I don't want to get into how long, but you know, we've, we've had one or two. Um, if you add Joe Reed to, to the running back stable, we have, um, like I said, I think Ellis will, will be really good. I think you've got guys like Atkins who down the road could be really, really special. Um, you add him to OZ who I think we'll see. I just think he was too obvious to buy. Um, I think Joe Reed's going to have a great season, and he's just someone with the size and speed combination that we haven't seen in quite a while. Um, and as he starts to learn more about this offense and get put in positions um, in the offense to make plays outside of special teams, I can't wait to see what, what he can do. Um, if you get a guy like him who can, who has the size to catch underneath but the speed to kind of go deep on you um, – yeah, you know Clemson's had that for a while. It'd be nice to have one, and I'm I'm excited to watch what he brings to the field this year. I feel like we should let you start. Um, we should let you start. Snake <laughs> draft. Yeah, we should let you start defense because we just like snagged both of your your first two picks in that that whole deal. Um, but I'm not going to let you because uh, it's my podcast and I do it a while. Um, you can start off with the freshman. We'll let you have the freshman. Um, Thank you. I will go first for defense, and I have I have thought about this uh, a little bit today, and I've gone back and forth between um, Mac and Cook, and I wonder. I mean, I feel like Cook is a no brainer in a lot of ways because you know he didn't get to play last year. Um, he he is skill set wise exactly what this defense needs, and he's got a he's got to produce at a, a fairly high clip. Um, Mac, on the other hand, um, like talking to him the other day, uh, he just, he looks like, he looks like a player. Do you, does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like he physically, he is, he is a, he's a grown man right now. Like he is, he's no longer a dude swimming. I mean, he might be swimming a little bit in terms of like being in the right spot, but he, he looks like he knows what he's doing and he looks like a guy who is going to make a lot of a lot of big hits um so i'm kind of inclined to to go with him but i i do think i'm gonna i'm gonna hedge back and go go with cook i i know that folks are suspect of of malcolm because he hasn't been able to stay healthy and you know your your folks feel like they you know he you're you gotta wrap him in bubble wrap a little bit um but in talking to him i, I really got the sense that he's He's comfortable, but he's not unrealistic. Like he realizes one that that everybody is looking at him to to do the stuff on the field. But other thing too, like he's he's never going to be at a place where his chest doesn't hurt a little bit and he doesn't think about it. Like it's always going to be on his mind. I don't think it's messing with his play, but I think he appreciates and understands. Like, hey, look, this is going to be a thing that I'm always going to have to deal with, and I'm just going to have to deal with it because there's never going to be a day where that thing didn't happen to me. And I just think that that's a really mature way to look at it and certainly it, it, it works for him in in the long term and so I, I do think that now that he's had plenty of time to get himself back into shape uh, I think the longer um, training camp will actually help a guy like him because he will be much better off by the end of it maybe than he would have been in a more um, concentrated sort of way so I'm, I'm gonna take Malcolm Cook and I think he's gonna have a big uh, a big junior season that's just me um, Dave, let's go with you. Who's your I mean, there's a lot defense? of players on. <laughs> there's a lot of players on defense. I would buy stock in. I mean, um, I think there's a lot of guys in positions that are more natural for him this year. Um, 
it'd be really nice if Dante was back for one more year this year with the experience he'd have behind him now. Um, but for me, when I, you know, I go through the layers, um, Thornhill, I think is going to have a really good year. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Juwan. Like, you know, Moya, even when I had him, you know, thinking he was going to start at the nose tackle, maybe he still ends up doing it. Just, you just, the more you read about him and the more the coaches talk about him and, um, and the guy came in as a linebacker and then played defensive line and now is almost a nose tackle. Um, I mean, he's doing everything he can to contribute. Um, a little undersized to play the nose, but certainly has the, you know, the want to. Uh, I think he's going to have a, a really special season teamed up with, with Eli, uh, who was also very tempted to buy. Um, I just think he kind of proved himself a little bit last year. I'm getting, getting a better, uh, get a return on my investment with Juwan. Um, especially if he plays some time at end, uh, I think Brown's going to have a monster season. So he's going to, he's going to kind of have that like Jeffrey Fitzgerald <laughs> benefit that Eli had last year. Um, I look for Juwan to have a very, very big year, whether it's a nose tackle or end a combination speed rushing and the nickel package. Um, I think he's going to help a lot. Uh, even if we can't develop a true nose, just his versatility effort, um, you know, it's going to make a big difference on the defense because, you know, in a three-four, if you don't have the, if you don't have the the big three hundred and twenty-five pound, you know, two gapper to just line up over the center and eat three three blocks. If you've got guys that go hard every play, a la Chris Long, um, you can make some noise. Um, so I'm excited to watch him play with Eli and an improved Andrew. All right, Ferber, you're up. Okay, um, I'm going to take Jordan Mack. Uh, he's the one I wanted from the beginning, so I'm <laughs> glad you guys didn't take him. Um, Brad, you kind of mentioned it. You know, he, he got a lot bigger in the off season. Uh, you know, as he transitioned from outside to inside, I just honestly think, from an athletic standpoint, he's just a perfect fit for inside linebacker. Um, he's versatile. I mean, he's got the athleticism to move around like a safety, but he's big and can come down and hit. I mean, as Daniel Jones. Um, if he can hit, he had 40 tackles last year as a true freshman. He played in 12 games. He started nine. Um, I mean, that kind of experience is going to be very valuable to him. I think come this year and playing next to Micah should free him up to do all kinds of different stuff in the defense. And he seems willing to take on that task. And I just think he's, he's primed for a big year in the middle of that defense. And I think, and I wrote about it today, but I think playing him at inside gives them the ability to put their four best linebackers on the field with peace and cook on the outside and then keeping Mac on the field with Kaiser in the middle. And it's funny because we all named a bunch of different players that we thought about buying for the defense, and the other guy that I was thinking about buying if I didn't buy him was Bryce Hall, which is somebody we didn't even mention. Well, yeah. I thought about Hall, so, yeah. and I thought about Peace as well, because Pete, there was there were like three plays on Saturday where Chris, Chris Peace did something, and I was like, yo, what in the world was that? Like, the he, he I am not someone who is going to be – fooled again in the in these game situations and like hey man this is this good to have a you know huge season but like there were some there were some plays on saturday that chris beast had i was like whoa like if if he can do that on a consistent basis people are going to be like wait what ha- what they're gonna they're gonna be very surprised if if chris can find consistency in that um and bronco talking about how hard he works too i think but that's the thing i think that's a good explanation like we just did a whole segment on on the defense, and like there, we didn't touch a handful of dudes that everybody's heard of, and 
I think that's a testament to sort of the talent that they brought in. Um, all right, Dave, you get to go first with the true freshman. Which who are your freshman picks and why? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Crowell just because I think he's. I mean, the kid's an athlete. He knows how to play the game of football. Um, he's got great size, and, and, and he plays a secondary where you've got more positions to play. So I think he's going to see the field early and often. Um, you know, I was very tempted to go with Xander or, or uh, I guess it's Gam, right? Um, yeah, Gam. Because, you know, they're going to have to get some reps. But you start thinking about nickels and doms, and <laughs> it's it's hard, to, it's hard to go against Crowell and – I know there hasn't been a whole lot written about him, but the little blips we get, it's, you know, everyone's impressed by what they're seeing. So having not seen him in person and going by what other people have reacted by, I'm going to go with Crowell just because of the, I think he's a guy to go with. All right, Ferber. Rousing argument there. No, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I would agree. That's a good one. Uh, Ferber, who's your freshman pick? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a cop-out, but I'm going to go with Brian Delaney. You, I hate you. God. <laughs> I set myself up to be third on this one, and I was going to be all cool and come in and be like, hey, I'll take the punter slash kicker, and here's why. Yeah. I go mean, ahead. from all indications, he's going to see the field in some capacity, whether it's a kickoff lot. or kicking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's probably going to be the starting kicker now. I mean. Um, I don't know, man. I, he's, I, think he's a, I think he's the best punter, but he's not the most consistent. I think Coleman – might have been more consistent at what I saw. And then kicking-wise, I think he was the most consistent, but I wonder if the Mejia kid has a little bit better leg. Um, but, man, the ball just jumps off that kid's foot when he kicks. It's crazy. Anyway, go ahead. I Explain your pick. I'll come up with somebody else now. Yeah, I mean, I just think I mean it's a position of need, maybe the biggest at this point, just because of how little they've had at that position over the last year. Um, I, I think – you know, every we knew how good he was going to be coming in based on his rankings as a kicker and punter from high school. Um, and it seems like from the first part of camp, he, you know, got his reps and, and looked good and had a strong leg. So I think that, I mean, he'll have a good chance to come in and play right away. There was another guy I was going to consider taking, but I'll go ahead and wait and see who you take first before I say anything. <laughs> well, it's funny because Delaney was totally my pick at this at, at this thing. I mean, here's the thing is that, there are a handful of freshmen that are going to play, okay? And I know that that will burn people up, and we will we will have threads after threads for weeks about why so-and-so is playing and not redshirting. Um, I think you could make an argument that Mandy Alonzo is going to play. Because if you think about if they're going to play a, a real base 3-4, you need, you need a bunch of bodies, and they really don't have that. And... I could see Alonzo, he's listed at 6'2", 290. Like, that's a, that's a kid that's probably going to be able to play. Um, probably didn't help him as late practice the other day. Um, he seems like one that probably plays. Obviously, Lamont Atkins and, and Jamari Peacock are kids we, we've talked about before. Um, the, the, one th- the one kid I think, I would have I thought Rye Burton would, would play more of a role, but he's been... He's, he's got some kind of injury situation. Uh, he's been walking, at least he was, the first three walking the field rather than participating in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I guess I would go with either Darius Bratton, um, and I'll talk myself into one of them here in a second, Darius Bratton or uh, one of the one of the linebackers, whether it's Elliot Brown, whether it's Snowden, or whether it's Zandier. Like, all of them, like, linebackers are a position where they have a nice group of four, and then they have a whole bunch of unknowns, right? Um, 
Elliot Brown and Charles Snowden, it's very interesting to watch six foot seven, six foot six dudes in this defense. Um, they are super long and athletic and very fluid. Um, and so I think if if I'm going to pick one, I probably am. I probably am going to go um, uh, with Bratton because I feel like at cornerback you've got Harris and and Hall, and then you've got Crowell and Bratton guys who seem to be these sort of heir parents going forward. Um, that that makes a lot of sense uh, to me, especially considering you know they moved Miles Robinson to safety, uh, they moved Juan Thornhill to safety. Um, Kareem Gibson left the program. So one of those young guys is going to have to fit in, and Crowell is already taken. So I think Bratton is another kid who's really, you know, he's, he's waited his turn. You know, he's, he's there uh, after having committed in the 16 class. Um, you know, I think he, he, looked, he looked promising, which is sort of what you want to is what you want to see from a guy who at that point is still fairly new. God, I'm still mad he picked Delaney. Oh. Yeah, so my other guy was Atkins just because I yeah, think there's same. a chance that he could emerge as the number two running back. See, yeah, well, I think ultimately it, the way it shakes out is is Ellis gets the bulk of the carries, Ham gets some, and then Atkins gets some, and then as the season goes on, Atkins starts to earn a little bit more. Um, I mean, they're not they're not afraid to, to rotate guys, um, and I certainly think Peacock's going to play. I mean, he's going to play a lot just because he's the he is the big back. Um, I'm trying to think if, if there's anybody else freshman wise. I think Tyler Fannin like would have been worth mentioning. Um, oh, that was the other. That was my other offensive surprise was Dylan Rankinsmeyer because I I went into this camp thinking Jake Feeler had the center spot locked down, and then it seems like um, Fannin and, and Rankinsmeyer have done a good job of pushing uh, at center. So yeah. I'd be interested to see. I mean, you know, look, the linemen are always tough. Uh, the one kid who probably surprised me the most, to be quite honest, is John Curvin. That is a big dude. He and Tommy Chris both are big dudes, um, but 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 Curvin and and Chris are gonna have are, are gonna you're gonna they're gonna make some noise pretty soon. Maybe not this season, but soon. Um, I'm not nearly as worried about defensive end as I was before I saw those two kids in person. Because I mean they're they're two seventy two sixty respectively, and I mean they've been on grounds for like thirty seven seconds. What's it gonna be like, you know, in the spring? Um, because if, there, if there's anything we know is that these guys can add weight onto people. Because um, this offseason, they they did a really good job in that. Yeah, I mean, Juwan Moye gained 50 pounds since he got here a year ago. Yeah, that's 50. right. Yeah. yeah. And I would say he, he looks just as quick. 230, and now he's 285. Well, that's the thing. I was talking to him about it the other day. Like, he, a lot of these dudes will say the same thing, which is, like, they all are bigger, and they are they are they they feel like they are noticeably faster. Like what was that? I heard Zacchaeus the game like three miles per hour in his max because you know they track it. I would just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of be interested to go back now and look at some of those games from last year and see how badly they were getting beat on the line because it seems like Bronco just went in there and was like, "All right, we got to just put muscle on these guys because they're just not strong enough." Well, they definitely got manhandled, like you said, uh, a couple times. You know, at various points in the year, um, but that's not happening now. Um, that's for sure. And none of us bought Donovan Roll. Come on. Dave has a Justin theory. And are, <laughs> Justin and I are very high on Donovan Roll. All right, hold on. Let me let me see. Did we ever did we ever ascertain whether he was uh, whether he was related to the Myron Rolls? No, it's really hard to Google. Is he related to? So. Is he related yeah, I don't. To? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, he looked good on tape. He's not actually in the in the in the media guy. If Dave said Donovan Roll, I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> all would have passed out. Oh, I had it queued up. I was like, I'm going first. Yeah, well, that's that's unfortunate. Do you right. want to go Kristen Hillerich? 
He well. says his cousin Richard Gordon played football in Miami and has played for seven NFL teams. So I guess they would mention Myron Roll if he had a, if that was his cousin. You would think so. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good place to, to put a pen in it. Um, want to uh, say thank you to everybody out there for continuing to support the show as always. Also, want to say thanks to to Dave and to Ferber for being on the show, and of course to our sponsor this week, Second String Sports, um, which apparently owns the .dot com uh, address too. So you can go check them out. Um, when you get a chance. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a good place. We'll be back. Uh, I, I think we're going to be on a regular schedule now, um, now that we're close enough to football season. Uh, I have not planned out from today. When, when we're actually going to – yeah, I don't, I don't know when we're actually going to do the preseason prediction podcast, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and warn you now. It won't be nearly as rosy as it has been in years past. You should come with your adjusted expectations. Nope, no pun intended. Uh, but, again, want to thank uh, Dave and Ferber for giving me some time tonight. Uh, and, of course, everybody out there for giving us a listen. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.